So uh, Joe Brown was just laughing at me as I went over here to get my stuff uh, to be able to uh, sit and uh, talk to you today. Um, you may be curious, like, what, what am I seeing? Maybe you're not curious, but I, let me tell you what I see. Uh, I see that uh, Wes Farkas is sitting in the back row. Uh, I see Joe Brown right in front of me, uh, sweat, working up a sweat with all the technical things that are happening. Rick McWhorter's back in the sound booth, making sure that the sound's working. Um, now Kevin's sitting down. Chris Newland's there. And so uh, uh, Davison Long is out in the uh, gallery making sure that um, nobody shows up that's not supposed to. We have uh, just enough people in the building to be uh, meeting our, uh, uh, I guess, our obligations. Um, so a couple of things I want to say, and then we'll jump in uh, this morning. It, you, you may be thinking, well, why in the world, as you look in the bulletin, are we going to look at Ezra again? I'm tired of Ezra. I'm scared and upset and inconvenienced. And so what in the daylights does uh, Ezra have to say about that? Well, it's interesting, as we'll see today. Uh, Ezra uh, chapter 7 uh, talks to us about courage. Uh, and not courage in the sense that uh, it's time to be reckless or crazy or anything like that, but courage in the sense that we need uh, to be encouraged, we need ha- to have courage in light of uh, who God is and in light of what uh, we have, um, uh, well, just in light of the goodness that he's, he's uh, given to us. So I want us to do that, uh, look at that uh, this morning. So I'm not going to read to you the whole passage because uh, there's a long list here of this letter that King Artaxerxes wrote uh, uh, giving to Ezra all the stuff that he would need to beautify the temple and uh, to do uh, his work. We'll, we'll just read the uh, last couple of verses there uh, uh, at the end. Uh, but before I read it, uh, let me pray, and uh, we'll, we'll jump in this morning. Lord, we are your people uh, scattered. Uh, whether the church is gathered or scattered, it's still the church, and we're still your people. And uh, I pray today that you would help us. Uh, that you would uh, use uh, our feeble efforts uh, to uh, your glory, to your purpose. I pray today that uh, one thing that would be clear in the midst of all the confusion is that you reign, and that your reign is a good reign, a glorious reign, and a gracious reign, uh, that you are for us, and that uh, we can see that and know that most profoundly, in Jesus Christ today. And so, Lord, uh, bless us, still our hearts and our minds now as we look to you to hear from you as you speak to us. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, Ezra has just recounted to us this copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave. And so at the end here, beginning at verse 27, we're going to hear from Ezra for the first time. And this is what uh, hear directly from him. Uh, he's going to speak directly to us. And he says this, blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put such a thing as this, that is the project that Artaxerxes is giving to, into the heart of the king to beautify the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem and who extended to me his steadfast love before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty officers, I took courage 
For the hand of the Lord my God was on me, and I gathered leading men from Israel uh, to go up with me. So uh, this is a this is a pretty profound thing for us to think about because uh, as as you know as we talked about last week uh, for Ezra to be able to do this he's got to go through all sorts of uh, 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 officials counselors and that kind of thing to get to the king to get to the the king's approval for him to go uh, but not only for him to go but for the king to supply all the needs that that he would would have and so as as Ezra goes through that as he receives this letter he testifies to us here at the end of this uh, end of this chapter about how he felt about what he thought about how he responded to what it was that God was doing right and so it's a it's a great thing for us to to settle in on right because um when Ezra sees what's happening he says, and he sees that this is due to the steadfast love of the Lord. And because of that steadfast love, Ezra takes courage because it assures him that the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything else I need more today than to be assured of the steadfast love of the Lord, to be assured today that because of that steadfast love, I can take a little bit of courage and be encouraged. And because I can be certain as I look around and see evidence of the steadfast love of the Lord, that I can know that the Lord's hand, his presence is on me. It's as, as if as Ezra takes these steps to follow the Lord, the Lord's love is so real to him. It's as if Jesus is standing right next to him with his hand on his shoulder reassuring him, helping him, leading him, and guiding him. So yesterday I went uh, to the grocery store, and because uh, I had to, no hoarding, but I had to go. We needed some things. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed yesterday, for the first time since the uh, uh, stuff has gotten really serious here in Virginia, uh, was that uh, not a lot of happy faces, not a lot of patience, uh, a lot of people in masks and gloves uh, and uh, people very focused on the things they're about. And that's not that, that that's not all bad. Actually, that that may not not be a, a, a terrible thing. But it, what was really interesting was was the grocery store was full of people and it was deathly silent. Quiet. Even as people went about doing uh, the things that they were, uh, they, the things that were they were doing, and so what that told me was people are focused. They're going about doing the things that they're doing. But it's also, if you begin to think about that a little bit, you begin to think, uh, "Wow, this re- this is real. This is scary, uh, and uh, it's uh, time to take stock of what's happening here." So how can we be encouraged? How can we take courage? How can we be assured of the steadfast love of the Lord at a time like this? Because I think the question that many of us are asking, ironically, is not where did this come from or why did this happen or how is this happening? But I think the question that I I think the most about and the one that keeps me awake at night is what's next? What's going to happen next? What's the next bit of news that I'm going to get? Uh, what's the next uh, situation that I'm going to hear about? Uh, and are we going to make it through this? Right? 
I think about this uh, epidemic uh, in many ways the same way I think about a storm. Uh, the storm sweeps in. It isolates people. It shuts you off. You can't go out. You can't uh, really do anything. Uh, and the storm rages, and it does its damage. And then when the storm passes, the sun comes out, and you go out and you look at and see how things have changed. Uh, when uh, Hurricane Isabel came through several years ago, uh, we, uh, at our house, uh, uh, once it passed, we became famous in our neighborhood because we had the most trees now. Uh, not something I wanted to be famous about, but we had the most trees down, uh, and it was stunning to go out that next day with the sun shining and see the wreckage that had happened, but also to begin to experience uh, the provision, the grace, the love of our God in the midst of that. So what I want us to do this morning is just to look at this text a little bit and ask the the question, where can I look today? Where can I see today to be confident that my God knows what's next and that he will care for me in that? And to begin today to talk a little bit about how can my trust in God help me to distinguish between what is prudent, right, and what is panic, Right. I think that's an important question for us because it's prudence that calls on you to social distance and wash your hands a lot. But it's panic that causes you and I to hoard. It's panic that causes you and I to think somehow or other we might be left without the care and the steadfast love. Or that the hand of our God might not be upon us. So how can I be prudent? while trusting and serving and living and surviving during this time. Well, uh, hear this. God promises that he will always be with us, just as he was with Ezra. He says he will strengthen and establish us, and that nothing, ironically, in a time of social distancing, can ever separate us from his love in Christ. And these promises are so precious to us precisely because they are calibrated for exactly what we are facing right now, right? You need a sense of the presence of God. You need a sense of the grace of God. You need a, a sense that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ when you're so separated from your normal life and so separated from uh, maybe even the people that you love, right? And so it is precisely at these times where the promises of God speak to us, right? The voice of panic tells us that unless we fantasize, and this is so true for me, that unless we fantasize sufficiently about every possible kind of suffering that I might face, if I don't think about that and I don't fantasize about that, then I'll, I'll be unprepared when it comes, that I'll be out of control, and that ultimately I'll be left alone. But what faith tells me is this. It's honest and clear-eyed. It sees the trial right in front of me. But it looks above that trial and sees the one who tells me to cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. 
And so a couple of the uh, things I've thought about this morning, what, what do, who do I want to speak to? Well, there's a handful of folks, different kind of constituencies within the church that I want to speak to today, uh, particularly about where you can look and gain some sense of courage in the midst of this. I want to talk to students. Yeah, I want to talk to students, particularly I think of seniors at the end of their uh, senior year. What a disruption. It stinks. It's really terrible. Um, to parents, I've already interacted with a number of tearful parents wondering how they're going to make it. To grandparents, not only do you have the fear of being in a high-risk group, but you're isolated from your grandchildren and, uh, and your children. To the addicted and those who might struggle with mental illness, as Kevin's already said, who might uh, be alone with your thoughts, and that could be the worst place you could be. And then to those of us who are already alone and lonely, uh, where can we look uh, to get uh, some source of courage? Where are the places that I can look and know the steadfast love of the Lord and the courage that comes from knowing that his hand indeed is upon me? Well, I'm going to point out to you there are many sources, but I want you to follow with me today for three sources of this that I think were helpful to Ezra. Ezra knew the history of God's grace to his people. Ezra could see in God's providence how it was that he was organizing and leading uh, him through uh, this situation. And he knew the promise of God, right? So our history as a people of God, my history as a follower of God, all the times in my life, your life, where he has been faithful, and then ultimately the promise that we have of the work of Jesus Christ, that full atonement has been made for our sins and that he's risen from the dead. So one of the ways I thought it would be helpful for you to do this this morning is for me to confess to you my fears. Uh, I am a 60-year-old man, which means I'm right on the cusp of being high risk. I take medicine every day for asthma. I take medicine every day for uh, high blood pressure. I have high cholesterol. I take medicine for that. So it occurs to me that, wow, you know, this this could be this could be a thing, right? Um, so I, I I take that I take that very seriously, but at the same time, I also have a fear for the church. Will the church make it? Not only will I make it, but will the church make it? Will people be so overwhelmed uh, and so fearful uh, that they'll be tempted to tear at one another? They'll be tempted to distrust the gospel. Uh, They'll be tempted to become overly uh, uh, disappointed in the work of the church and throw in the towel. So where do I go for encouragement when uh, I'm struck uh, like this. Well, uh, obviously, if you know anything about the history of the world, this is not the first time there's been a, a global pandemic. I've taken a lot of comfort from reading Martin Luther, what he did, and uh, 
uh, pandemics in Wittenberg. I've taken a lot of courage from reading what uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon did uh, when he uh, walked and worked and ministered through a cholera epidemic in London at the beginning of his ministry there. But uh, more recently, I've been reading Francis Grimke, who was, was a uh, Presbyterian, African-American pastor in Washington, D.C., and he was pastoring there in the middle of the 1918 flu epidemic, flu pandemic. Uh, believe it or not, uh, for a, a little more than a month uh, during the fall of 1918, all the churches in Washington, D.C. were shut down. And there was a lot of grief about that because you can imagine they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have the ability to 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 reach people like we're doing today. There were some people that scoffed at it and had outdoor worship services as a way to to do this. But Grimke uh, submitted, uh, but he worried about the future of the church Uh, and he worried about what would happen. And he says this uh, uh, near the end of the uh, pandemic. He says, while the plague was raging. While thousands were dying, what a comfort it was to feel that we were in the hands of a loving father who was looking out for us, who had given us the great assurance that all things would work together for our good. And therefore, that come what would, whether we were smitten or perished, we knew it would be well with us and that there was no reason to be alarmed. Right? So Grimke walked through that, and he, uh, at, at the end of the, the pandemic, he was able to testify that the church actually was strengthened, that the church was actually built up. And one of the reasons why the church was strengthened and encouraged was that it gave the, the pandemic gave an opportunity to focus on what's real. When people are confronted with their mortality, particularly people like us in 2020 who are mortality deniers, When we're confronted with that, the gospel becomes sweeter. The steadfast love of the Lord becomes almost something you can touch and something because it is so essential to us that there is no life without the steadfast love of the Lord, the assurance that we see him at work in our world, and the confidence that he is with us just as if he had his hand on your and my shoulder. So how does the steadfast love of Christ apply today to students? Well, students, uh, I know this is a gigantic disruption and a very disturbing thing, and I'm sure many of you planned for a prom, maybe. Many of you planned for uh, a great awards uh, season. Many of you planned to uh, go to commencement with your family. All of that is at risk now, no doubt. Well, the great news of the gospel is, and the great news that to know the the steadfast love of the Lord is, you are more than your achievements. You are more than these experiences. And that the Lord sees you and that he is with you and that he is for you as you walk through this time of disappointment. Tell Jesus you're disappointed. Turn to him. To parents. Wow. You need a lot of energy. A lot of patience, a lot of grace, uh, a lot of uh, reassurance uh, that the Lord will see you and your family through this time. 
One of the sources that I have had to, to look out and see the goodness of God in this is I have never, ever in the, all of uh, my adulthood that I can remember seen so many dads playing with their kids, riding bikes, hanging out, throwing a ball uh, uh, at uh, uh, it, it is just a, a pretty profound thing. And I have thought that I wonder if there might actually be some kids, little kids, bear with me now as I say this, that will regret the end of the epidemic because dad's got to go back to work. What a sweet thing. What a sweet thing it is to see uh, families bearing witness to God's design and care and love there. And so to parents, uh, uh, Jesus sees you. He's there in your house with you. And he will use this time, this disruption for your kids' good and for you. Just as he has met you in times of disruption before, he will do that now. To the economically threatened, which I guess in some ways hits all of us, right? Uh, the uh, economic uncertainty uh, at this time is pretty profound uh, and pretty scary, isn't it? Uh, to see the crazy things happening in the markets to see unemployment spike through the ceiling. Um, it, is a, it is a dramatic thing, uh, a discouraging thing. So what are we to think about that? Well, just as our God is our provider, that he has provided for us Jesus Christ, that his grace and his mercy are, are new to us every day, uh, we trust him and we look to one another to help in times like this. As Kevin said, uh, this is a season to be generous, a season, uh, and, it, and you can only be generous if you see and understand and remember that God has been present with you in the past. He is present with you now, and he will provide exactly what you need. To the elderly among us, um, I'm certain it is chafing to be, uh, uh, to be isolated. You're not isolated from the love of God. You're not isolated from the steadfast love of Jesus Christ. He sees you and he is present with you. And if you need something, let me reiterate again. Call us, email us, let us know. To the addicted and the mentally ill. um, This is a time fraught with uh, temptation. Um, It is a time to look for relief. Uh, in many things uh, that, uh, in the end, don't bear witness to the steadfast love, to the presence, to the hand of God being upon us. Uh, there are many of us who can spiral very quickly uh, into a swamp of anxiety and panic uh, that is just hard for us to get out of. Jesus is with you. He sees you. He loved you uh, before this this uh, pandemic occurred. He loved you as you've struggled with your addiction and your illness before. And he loves you even now. He will be with you. And if you are struggling, cry out to him, but cry out to people who will care for you and uh, tell you the truth as well. And then lastly, uh, to those who are already alone or lonely. 
social distancing is, uh, is a bitter pill, isn't it? You already struggle with feeling like no one sees you, no one knows you, you're all alone. And here now, by a government decree, you're supposed to stay away from people. Um, in the midst of that, uh, I've said it before and I will say it again, you, it, is, it is one thing to be lonely, uh, but you're never alone. And the reason why I can say you're never alone is because Jesus has promised to be with us even to the end of the age. And that promise is certain and secure. Now, granted, uh, it is difficult in this time to to know that and to experience that. But we have the technology for you to be able to uh, reach out to people, to communicate, to see. Uh, uh, and so I would urge you uh, to take uh, full advantage of that. Uh, and as you turn to that, that that gives you one more witness and one more place for you to see the care and the presence and the loving hand of your father upon you. And so I, I, as, as I thought about this today, in a time of social distancing, in a time of social separation, I, I just want to end with these words. Uh, we use this text on Monday during our uh, um, day of prayer and fasting. These words come to us from uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, very familiar text to many of you. But I think it's worth you taking the time with me this morning to, to just listen. Let God speak to you today uh, through, uh, through his word. Um, Paul writes in Romans 8, beginning at verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, hear this. The spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And those who for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, it is so hard to believe that sometimes, Uh, and yet your words are true. Uh, Your spirit uh, indeed is at work in us. Jesus, I thank you right now that uh, for the weak and the troubled, for the discouraged, the angry, the bitter, uh, for uh, uh, those, uh, all of us, Lord, who uh, are worried and scared and uncertain about what's going to happen next. Uh, that the fact that even now, Jesus, you intercede perfectly for us, even now you have your hand upon us and your hand bears in it the scar of our atonement, that even now as we struggle, you are not far but near, present with your hand upon us. Lord, your steadfast love uh, has been our hope forever. And today it is our hope, and going forward it will be our only hope. And so I pray today that you would encourage us with that, that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to uh, to rest in that. And Lord, I pray that by your Spirit you would uh, calm, that you would still, uh, and that you would give us the ability to remember your goodness to us in the past the way you are at work in the present, so that we can entrust you with what will happen next. Lord, indeed, your hand has always been and will always be upon your people. Give us confidence. Give us encouragement in that today we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's uh, use the confession of sin uh, to uh, confess Uh, our sins together. O Lord, you are the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have done wrong, acted wickedly and, and rebelled. We have turned aside from your commandments. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us belongs open shame. 
We have sinned against you. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. and We have not walked in the law that you set before us. Believer, hear these words of encouragement as they come from uh, Daniel chapter 9. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Will you join us at home uh, as we uh, sing through uh, a few songs together?